The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we are striving to make sure that you have the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're going to talk about something that we all need to be talking about, but that nobody wants to talk about. And that is what happens to your stuff and your heirs if you die. I know, I know, don't turn off the don't turn off the radio. I'm telling you guys this is really really important because I I I just keep I just keep talking to real estate investors who tell me awful things about how a, a spouse suddenly died or a parent who was in real estate suddenly died and they're in a they're not only grieving, they're in this mess of trying to figure out where everything is, what everything is, uh, which of these houses are on lease option, which ones are rented, which ones are vacant, which ones under rehab, who, who, who's, who, who are we supposed to be paying mortgages to? Who are we supposed to be collecting rent from? What, what's this note that I randomly found in a file? Is this, is this, did it get paid off? Is am I supposed to get any payments on it? Guys, we all need to get this fixed, no matter how old or young we are and no matter how many assets we think we might have. So to expertly discuss this topic, I have brought along with me today Lee Phillips Esquire. Many of you uh, are familiar with Lee uh, because he has written 19 books. So I'm sure some of you have read at least one of them, the most uh, the one that you would probably be most familiar with is protecting your financial future. He's an expert in uh, all sorts of asset protection and estate planning issues for a really good reason. Lee, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's good to be here, Vina. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Lee, and I hope you are too. You didn't start out your life thinking boy, what I really want to do is be like the world's biggest expert on asset protection and estate planning for real estate investors. No, that wasn't my plan. I was a scientist and a patent attorney. And at age 27, the short story is, is I showed up with final stage cancer and was given two to three weeks to live and spent uh, five months in intensive care and didn't work for another three years. And even when you're 27 and don't have any assets, that's hard on your assets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that just, I, 
that just well, sort of like switched your life around to I'm gonna keep other I'm gonna keep this from happening to other people. I'm gonna keep it from happening to me too. Uh, <laughs> that was the, the primary motivation at the time. Uh, and you know, I, I admit if our parents, mine and hers, hadn't stepped in, uh, we would have been homeless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when we say asset protection, you think lawsuit, but in reality, it's stuff like people getting sick. 56% of all bankruptcies in the United States are simply the result of somebody in the family getting critically ill. And it happens to everybody and you can't prevent it. Uh, you just have to be ready for it. And you said, what, what do you do if you die or if your mom and dad date? No, it isn't a question of if you die, Vina. I've got news for you. We're all mortal. It's going to happen. <laughs> and the question is, how does our family pick up the pieces? Uh, I guess when we die, we're not too worried about it after that. But the family is is stuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you've been doing this now, studying it. Uh, studying every time the law changes about it for 40 years, 40 years. Yeah. I'm old. Remember that Vina. And most people don't, most people don't give it any serious consideration until they get sick or, you know, the, the, you know, the terrible thing happens to them where they're, they're both, you know, an intense grief over somebody passing and also trying to untangle what the heck has happened. So let's um, start out just by sort of basic stuff. All right. All right. Basic stuff. Uh, I'm going to make people a guarantee to begin with, and I'll guarantee you it's worth every effort you spend, every dime that you spend to get this done now for yourself, for mom and dad, just in the peace of mind. It's worth it. I don't really care how much money's on the table. I don't care what we're doing. It's worth it for the peace of mind. But a lot of people wait until the end, and I'm out in the hall with the family trying to get something put together while mom's in the hospital bed dying, and that's not the way it's supposed to come down. And yet I'm trying to get mom to sign a piece of paper before she dies because it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to the family, and it just that's not the way it's supposed to unfold guys mm-hmm. just get it done now and and the basics are you need a will that's the minimum basics and i don't like wills uh they certainly don't move assets very well they do name guardians for minor children and you need to have a will if you have minor children 100% and you need to make sure that your kids have wills if if they have kids. I mean, these are your grandkids. And one of the first cases I ever handled was uh, grandma and grandpa, they come in, they sit across the desk from me crying. And what's happened is, is the kids have been killed in an automobile accident down in the middle of the state. And that left the grandkids orphaned. And grandma and grandpa wanted to raise the grandkids. There was a professor uncle in town, he'd raised the grandkids. And, uh, truck driver from Texas, and we are in Utah, so a truck driver from Texas came into town, and he got a barmaid to go into court with him, and the barmaid testified, 
A number of years earlier, I heard mother in the bar say, if I ever die, I want my kids to go with the truck driver in Texas. And the only reason the truck driver wanted the kids was a little bit of life insurance and social security and stuff. And the judge gave the kids to the, to the truck driver in Texas and mom, grandma and grandpa wanted me to appeal this. You're not going to appeal it. That's no, the judge ruled and you're not going to change that. <clears throat> but grandma and grandpa said, well, you know, maybe we ought to get a will and a living revocable trust and do stuff. And I said, yeah, probably ought to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we did that for them. And there's a PS to the story. I want to, I want to tell, uh, Vina, uh, the kids, the grandkids that went to Texas, were going to get the share that their parents would have gotten from grandma and grandpa. 20 years later, these people show up in my office again, and they say, we want to amend the trust we don't want the grandkids in Texas to receive anything. We have never seen them again. Mm. So So the basics are you need the will for the guardians. And then I'm going to say you need a living revocable trust for the assets. Go ahead. And I want to come back to that one because we need to take a quick break. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking about the unfortunate subject of what you need to do right now to make sure you don't make a mess for your heirs. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Lee Phillips, who's going to be a familiar name and voice to many of you, although we haven't seen a whole lot of Lee for the last few years because, Lee, you just had your own experience with a loved one dying uh, uh, tragically because she was like the nicest person I ever met in my entire life, and that was your wife, Christy. And we were talking a little bit before the show about, you know, we assume you guys had this nailed down because, you know, she had ALS and it was a, it was a a lengthy thing, a lengthy illness for her. And you mentioned that even so, and even though you guys were working hard on it, there was still some stuff that didn't end up being a hundred percent nailed down. We worked on it. Christy uh, got her death sentence five years before she actually died. We took good care of her. ALS is a bad disease, guys. Don't get that one. Mm. But uh, we redid our trust. And you need, I'm going to say, a living revocable trust. The reason for it is not asset protection. The reason for it is to avoid probate. It's a probate avoidance tool. Please don't use joint tenancy. That avoids probate, uh, but it has a disastrous tax consequence. Uh, so use the living revocable trust. They're really cool. They work really well, but you have to understand how to use them. We set up our original trust in 1987. Uh, we had amended it once, but we took it and totally I'm going to say tore it down and rebuilt it. We did what's called amend and restate the trust in 2015 after we knew that Christie was dying. And we went and made sure that all of the bank accounts were in the trust and not only in the trust, but in the name of the updated trust. 
So it would be the Lee and Christie Trust uh, under agreement 1987, you know, September 20, 1987, as amended and restated September 7, 2015. So that needs to be on the bank account. That needs to be on the safe deposit box card. It needs to be on the brokerage account and it needs to be on all of your deeds. Now you're going to say, Hey, wait, wait, wait. I've, I've, I've got my property in an LLC. Well, that's okay. The LLC needs to be owned by the trust. Everything that you sign your name for in order to transfer, in order to move needs to be in the name of the trust. You don't sign your name on the washer and dryer. You can take those out and put them on the front lawn and somebody can come along and buy them and pay you cash and they walk away. But you need a signature to get into the bank account, the safe deposit box, the, the brokerage account to transfer a deed, to sell a company like an LLC. An LLC is a company. A corporation is a company. <laughs> and you need to have those assets owned by the trust. And the trick to the trust is, is when you die, well, if it's not yours, you didn't own it, did you? The trust owned it. Yeah, you controlled it. You were the trustee. You could do everything you wanted. And the funny thing is, is the checks bounce just as high in the trust bank account <laughs> as they did in your bank account. And so, you know, it's, it's just you. Uh, you get sued. It's yours. Uh, you can sell it, you can buy, you can do whatever you want as trustee. You have to remember that you're wearing a trustee hat. You're not wearing your individual hat anymore, but it's yours and you do whatever you want with the assets while you're alive. But instantly upon your death, the trust changes to a different type of trust, an irrevocable trust. Now, if I'm a husband and wife, I can set it up so part of it goes to an irrevocable trust, and part of it goes to my trust. I'm the surviving spouse. I still have a trust. Part of our assets went to another trust, an irrevocable trust, when Christie died. I'll explain why later. But uh, there's no probate on the assets because the owner didn't die. The mm -hmm. owner's the trust. It still lives. Oh, so much you time. You died. You're the manager. So much to unpack there. Um, I think probably the biggest objection that you get when you yell at people to get living revocable trust, which I've been hearing you do for 20 years, <laughs> to get, get a living revocable trust is, oh, I don't know. They're expensive. I don't, aren't they complicated? Is it going to be a bunch of trouble for me to move all, my, all the ownerships of all of my properties to them? Is it really? Is it, is it super expensive? Is it super complicated once you actually sit down and study it? Well, you need to have somebody give you a tutorial on it. And you mentioned the book, Protecting Your Financial Future, and that's a tutorial on living revocable trusts. But uh, the amount of effort that you go to is nothing compared to what would have to take place. And, and even me as a surviving spouse, uh, I opened up our, our magic drawer where we keep all of the magic valuable papers and was filing through it the other day. And 
the answer is damn. There was a stock certificate. It wasn't owned by the trust. Christie's grandmother had given it to her when she was a kid. And it was five or six shares in Standard Oil of Indiana, which doesn't even exist anymore. And it's now BP stock, British Petroleum. And I mean, what's it worth? 150, 200 bucks, but it's going to cost me 150, 200 bucks in filing fees to try and run that through and get a court order so that I can sign. And you got to sign in front of the, uh, the notary or the, uh, what's the fancy one that's at the bank? Come on, Vina. Uh, notary as far as i know <laughs> now there's another one it has to be guaranteed uh, uh anyway uh, you know this has all got to take place now if i want to claim that stock and it's i'm probably going to frame it and put it on the wall <laughs> it's just not worth it at this point it's just so- not worth it but but your family's looking at huge problems or you're looking at huge problems if it's mom and dad's estate that's coming to you Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And another thing, another thought I had when you said this, this so smoothly avoids probate. It, it really does. Literally, there's no question of probate for anything that is in the trust. The, the trust owns. I often, and when I, when I say often, I mean weekly deal with deal on the other side of probate situations where, where there's, there's five kids and there's a, piece of real estate and they're arguing about it and and they're like but not speaking to each other anymore because um this one's accusing that one of having gone in and taken the jewelry out of the house and this one's accusing that one of wanting to sell the house too cheap and it it, it being able to say nope <laughs> we're not we're not doing this thing with the court we're just going to smoothly pass the property straight to whoever they we need to go to i would i'm telling you it would keep families together if they would do that it keeps families together and there is a way of getting rid of what i call a doilies and dollies those are things that don't have to be owned by the trust because there's no signature required uh to transfer the silverware or the journal or the wedding ring or whatever it is uh i build that into a trust so that you just describe the item and then put the person's name out to the side who's supposed to receive that item. And that's part of the trust. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, the family fight is, is a big deal. And, uh, the trust manages it after you die. The trustees, they're obligated by law to take care of the beneficiaries, which would be the other children. Usually you've got one or two kids that you name us the trustees and, and they, it's a big, big job. They have to do a lot of work. And the trust then says that the property is to be divided equally between the kids and, and so on. However, you want to describe the division, you can do pretty much anything you want, but the trustees obligated to move it as you say, but they don't have to go to court. They have immediate authority to walk down to the bank and the catch is remember I said that we needed to go and get Christie's bank account and stuff in the name of the trust as restated 2015. Mm 
The reason is, is when we take that trust down to the bank, the bank is agreeing to govern that bank account by the terms of that trust. You could make out another trust. They don't care. They're governing that bank account by the name of that trust, and they will actually take a copy of the trust so they know what the trust says. And if it says I'm the trustee after uh, my dad dies, then I walk into the bank and the bank gets their copy of the trust. And it says I'm the trustee. And they say, hey, guy, you got any ID? Sign here. The nice part about it is, is I'm not into that account until dad dies. So dad doesn't have to worry about me taking the money or uh, I'm not going to take his money. But if I was in an accident out on the street and my name was on that bank account, that's my bank account. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if I'm on as trustee, no, that's not mine. I'm simply the manager of it on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Excellent. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Lee Phillips about stuff you need to do, like, like, soon as the show's over, get out there, do what you need to do to get your estate straightened out so that your heirs aren't fighting, know where everything's supposed to go, your spouse can immediately start spending your bank account on grocery money, all the things that we would really like to do for our heirs. We're going to come back and talk more about that right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Lee Phillips, who is an attorney who, but that's okay, we, we still like him, uh, who has made himself an expert on asset protection and estate planning issues and particularly for real estate folk. He's spoken to, I don't know, probably a thousand rooms of real estate investors over the years, shaking his finger at them saying, here's what you need to do. And in fact, he's going to shake his finger at you at the 2021 National Real Estate Investing Summit, uh, which is coming up here in Cincinnati on November the 4th through 7th. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is a live event. We did it online last year, but this year we're going to do it right. We're going to, we're going to put folks together in a, a socially distanced away as we have to do come November. And uh, you're going to be hearing more about that coming up on the show over the next few months, but just for right now, get out your phone, block those dates, November 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, and just don't plan to do anything during that time because Lee will be there uh, talking about uh, how to make sure that you've done this right. Hey, I'm not going to be social distancing. I'm going to be hugging and kissing everybody. <laughs> oh, you're one of those. Okay. I'm through with this. So <laughs> I got my distemper shots. We're okay. <laughs> so Lee, you, you, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give short shrift to this because at the beginning you said there are three things that you want everybody to do the will to make sure that if you have minor children, that they are ending up where you want them to end up the living revocable trust to avoid probate and just smooth the whole process here. Cause I'm, you know, of course I'm always thinking, houses. And I'm thinking about a property that I bought one time from a, uh, an estate and it was a, it was an apartment building and the lady died without a will or trust and her kids 
stepped in and said, okay, tenants pay us. And the tenants, one of the tenants talked to a lawyer and then talked to all the other tenants and weren't paying their rent because the lawyer said, you got nobody to pay it to. These kids don't have the right to collect it. There's no estate open. You don't have to pay your rent. So after nine months of this, guess what? The heirs were ready to sell this apartment building full of tenants that weren't paying really, really cheap. So we got the will, we got the trust. And then what was the third thing? Well, usually you need a durable power of attorney, but that isn't to deal with after death. That's to deal with the possibility that you become incompetent. And statistically, everybody's going to spend 90 days or longer before they die in an incompetent position. And I know some of us are closer than others of us. (laughs) But the durable power of attorney allows somebody to stand in and manage your affairs when you can't do it. And that could be a stroke. It could be an accident. Uh, Frankly, I have already had my 90 days. When I was being treated with cancer, uh, I was incompetent and I signed a piece of paper and I got sued over the piece of paper. And we proved that on the day that I signed it, I'd had 120 milligrams of morphine. Putting that in perspective, the handbook says that 60 milligrams is a lethal dose for an adult in a 24-hour period. And I had had 13 other types of drugs. I never remember signing that piece of paper. And it got me in big trouble. But uh, the durable power of attorney is a big boilerplate piece of paper. And you just need to sign one. Mom signs one. Dad signs one. Everybody signs one. And then they just sit over in the filing cabinet drawer. And you forget about them until the person needs somebody to step in. Now, the trustee, the successor trustee, and your trust should have a provision in it that talks about how you would be determined to be incompetent without having to go to court. And at that point, the successor trustee can step in and manage all of the trust's assets. But there are things that I'm going to say the trust doesn't own, uh, like your cell phone, who can turn off your cell phone, who, you know, who does all of these other things. And the power of attorney allows somebody to stand in and help you when you can't do it for yourself. And and we all get in that position at one point or another. And and I'm blessed that I've already had my 90 days. So I, I'm good to go. I've had my distemper shots and I've had my insanity. I, I'm good. <laughs> so let, let me, let, let, let's, you said something when you're talking about durable power of attorney that included, it says within the durable power of attorney, how you could be declared incompetent without having to go to a court and be. Yes, that, that is correct. It should be in both the trust and the power of attorney. We don't want to have to, I mean, Christy was a lawyer also, and she had a case guy in our neighborhood. He had a massive stroke. He was brain dead. The family didn't want to unplug him until everybody assembled. And it took like a week for everybody to get there. So they could unplug dad. Well, they unplugged him and he had stabilized. He didn't die. He was a total vegetable. Mm. The daughter had to go down and turn him every three hours. You know, that type of vegetable. Mm -hmm. And he had assets and the family had to start selling assets to take care of him and mama. 
And so the judge has to see the guy. So Christy hires an ambulance, gets first on the docket down at the court. They haul the guy down there, wheel him in, and the judge had car problems. So three or four weeks later, they have to do it again. And the judge looks at him and says, yep, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, and you get somebody declared to be your guardian conservator. Guardian's the guy who takes care of the body. The conservator is the guy who takes care of the money. Mm-hmm. But uh, in your durable power of attorney, it can say when uh, one doctor and each one of my kids sign a statement that says dad's out of it, then the agent, we call him, the, the, the guy who takes over in the power of attorney, he can stand in and start acting. Uh, same thing in the trust. If the doctor and, and all of the kids sign the paper that says dad's out of it, then the next successor trustee can act on dad's behalf and manage the assets of the trust. So the trustee manages the assets of the trust and the agent in the durable power of attorney manages the other stuff. Okay. So, um, I, I, and I, I don't mean to digress here, but this, this is a personal interest to me. A doctor and the kids could sign to say that somebody is mentally incompetent because of something like Alzheimer's, or does it have to be as big as a stroke? They don't even need a reason. Okay. Because I'm just going to trust that, that my doctor and my th- three kids aren't all going to gang up on me at once. Because let me tell you how that would have changed my mother's life. My father passed away last year from Alzheimer's. And I it didn't was... know that, Vina. I'm sorry. I Thank knew you. your dad. 35 yes. years ago, I knew your dad. And he had, he, when he died, he had your course on his, uh, on his bookshelf. Did he have a trust, Vina? He, he, he did have a trust, but he did not have a durable power of attorney. Oh. And he, so the, so everything, once he passed away, everything was very smooth, but he, had to be taken to court and declared incompetent during that stage of Alzheimer's where he was still aware enough to know that he was in court being declared incompetent. And that was incredibly painful for him to be standing there in front of the judge and saying, I'm, I'm fine, your honor. And then of course, not knowing five minutes later, what he had said with a durable power of attorney uh, that could have been handled probably five years earlier than it was. And, uh, well, you handle it now and then it doesn't kick in until the doctor and the kids sign the paper. You can have your preacher sign. I mean, you can create any mechanism you want, but you don't want to have it too hard because you want to be able to have it be easier than going to court. Yeah. Cause that was, I mean, I don't think people realize that there, there, there can be a stage in somebody's life where they don't believe they are incompetent, but they clearly cannot run their own business anymore. And that's, well, we had my mother-in-law declared incompetent. Uh, I put the, all the papers in place and we had the doctor sign, just like I said, and she was sitting in the room when the kids were signing the piece of paper, talking to us just fine. But she had gone to the bank and taken $67,000 out of the bank and hid it around the house. She said she'd invested it. We found all of it but $3,000. She doesn't know. where, So she isn't doing it. We've got to restrict her ability to get into the bank account. And the way to do that is through the durable power of attorney and the trustee. 
definitely getting one of those for myself now that I know which piece is missing from my own asset protection plan. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Lee Phillips. I, I really hope you have been taking notes or are going to review all of this on the podcast that will be posted later this week at realliferealestate.com because I cannot state strongly enough that stuff happens. It happens to you. It happens to your spouse. It happens to your parents and that watching people try to untangle this, watching people in my own family struggle with it, 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 it it's worth it. So Lee, you've, you've stated your case, will living trust, durable power of attorney. Where do I go to get these things? What, what, what's the next step for listeners? Well, you kind of need to find an attorney who specializes, I'm going to say in trusts. I would ask the banker, I would ask your insurance dude and I would get four or five names and then check them out. The insurance dude is always going to be working with a guy, but he'll give him a kickback. I don't know if he's always the best. The banker, they kind of know who does it in the community, uh, that sort of thing. It should cost you somewhere between a thousand and two thousand dollars to get a will, living revocable trust and the durable power of attorney usually comes as a package. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then you're going to need to educate yourself because you have to use the trust during your lifetime. Just having the piece of paper doesn't work. And the vast majority of people who get a trust, the family still ends up going through probate because mom and dad didn't use the trust. You have to remember the trust has to own the bank account and the safe deposit box and the brokerage account and your LLC and your real estate that's not in an LLC. And and I get that question all the time. Well, does the trust have to own the property? It's in an LLC. No, the trust owns the LLC. And by default, it owns the property that the LLC owns. Mm-hmm. But uh, all of these things, and I, I know I've belabored that point, but it's kind of the 900 thousand pound gorilla in in the room that's the one you gotta nail down and christy and i tried to nail it down we got 99.9 percent of it and still lost one (laughs) Uh, so it's not as easy as it it sounds and people make mistakes Mm -hmm. uh and and but you want to clean up as much as you can because if there's just a little bit left on the table you can just file papers at the court and you don't have to appear and you don't have to do this and that and the other. It's called probate for a small estate. Uh, your automobile is uh, something you have to sign your name for. So all of that needs to be brought together and, and the basic documentation, I'm going to say a thousand to two thousand dollars, maybe three these days. I haven't been pricing it too much. I'm semi retired now, so I don't do the actual legal work anymore, but uh, still think about it and write about it a lot. Uh, what What about folks like myself who have no children, who, you know, I have other family members, but it's a small family and it's possible that they well, might Vina, all I happen me. to know that you have a fair amount of real estate. Your favorite lawyer is up for adoption. 
See, you're assuming that uh, you're, you're going to outlive me, and I don't know about that. I, I, I honestly, I see a lot of my estate to probably go into charities and things like that. Is that you can name helpful? anybody you want in the trust? We often move parts or all of the estate to a to a charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, however you want, it's very flexible. Okay, and and you can manage it. The trust will avoid estate taxes. Right now, you're not worried about estate taxes. Uh, it doesn't avoid the estate tax, but it makes it so that a couple can pass twice as much property without paying an estate tax. And right now, nobody's worried about it because the federal estate tax is at $11.58, $11.6 million. And that eliminates estate tax issues for most of us who walk around with both feet on the ground. There are only about 5,000 families in the United States right now that are affected by the estate tax. The Biden administration has said they're going to lower it to three million or do away with it. And if they do away with it, that's a total disaster. And they have talked about it because right now, if you don't have three million, mom and dad don't have three million dollars. Well, everything is technically taxed in their estate, but they give you a credit called the unified credit to pay that tax. But as the property passes from mom and dad to you, it's taxed in the estate. You didn't pay any tax, but it was taxed. And it gets a step up in basis. So you, they bought the house for 100000 It's now worth five hundred. You sell it next week, zero income. They are talking about, seriously, doing away with the step up in basis and having a deemed disposition tax, which is what Canada does. So when mom and dad die, you are going to be deemed to have disposed of all of their property and you will pay income tax on the amount of increase. The difference between the $100,000 basis and the $500,000 sale price. Wow. So yeah, ho- bend over boys. <laughs> so hopefully we will know more about that come November when you're going to be at the OREA convention here in Cincinnati on the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. But if we get any big word on that, can you come back on Real Life Real Estate and tell Absolutely. us what we're supposed to do about that? Because I'm always happy to work with you, Miss Vina. You've just, you've just scared the heck out of me and a lot of other real estate investors who don't consider themselves, you know, they don't consider themselves big fish. This, this right now, they're leaving us little medium fishes alone, but they're, they could really gobble us up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, appreciate you being here today. Uh, Lee, wanna, wanna just one more time. What are the three things everybody's supposed to get? Get the will. The living revocable trust and the durable power of attorney. And they kind of need to interface with each other. So you get them all at once. Okay. All three things at once. Everybody got that, right? Call up your, your CPA, your attorney, get some recommendations on folks. Yeah, who CPA do that don't know for who you. does it. And uh, get that taken care of so that you don't become one of those stories of folks who left their, uh, heirs in, a complete mess. So, um, Lee, I guess we will next see you for sure on November 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th here in Cincinnati. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to have to do another one of these on 
straight up asset protection. How does that sound? Oh, that also sounds really good. Yeah. Cause we've been so, we've been so obsessed with everybody dying <laughs> that we forgot to tell, talk to them about what happens if you don't die, but you do get sued. And so. we also need to do one on taxes. Oh my goodness. Because the IRS, that's your biggest asset protection threat. Absolutely. You can't work 20% harder, but I can cut your taxes by 20%. All right. We will get that on the schedule for sure. And in the meantime, we will be back next week with more information to put y'all on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>